great to be able to share with you on Easter Sunday. Um, if you missed any uh, Palm Sunday message or Good Friday message, then they are on YouTube, so please do go and catch up with those. Um, but yeah, obviously Easter Sunday uh, today, so it's great to, to come to church, celebrate that, isn't it? Our risen King. Um, for me, now I am someone that uh, has got a Netflix subscription. I like watching Netflix. Any other Netflix subscribers in this morning? A few of you. Any other Netflix watchers in the house? There's a the difference between a Netflix subscriber and a Netflix watcher, isn't there? Uh, a few of us have, have got the subscription and a few others just watch along as well. Um, but I don't know about you, but when um, Netflix suggests lots of series for you, doesn't it? That it pops up saying Netflix suggests this for you because you watch this. I think you'll like this. Uh, and, you, and it suggests all these different programs for you to watch. I don't know about you, uh, how long you will kind of give a TV program before you kind of think I like it or you don't like it, and whether you decide when you're going to carry on watching it or not. Now, I'm someone that I might watch one episode, usually maybe half an hour up to the end of the first episode, and then I'll decide whether I actually like this program, I'm going to carry on watching it, or I will give up on it. I don't know if there's anyone out there, that's ever, has anyone ever walked out of a film at the cinema? Has anyone ever done that? A few people, uh, maybe you've done that. Anyone like passed halfway and then walked out? That's a serious conviction if anyone's got past, half, past halfway of a film and then made a decision to walk out um, of that. But me and Natalie recently started watching uh, this TV program on Netflix. Uh, the first episode was really good, really exciting, uh, a lot going on. Um, part of it, there's a, a bomb on this train and it goes off uh, and the, the guy there kind of saves some people from this bomb uh, and then you discover that he like, works for the FBI and he's this agent and it's all quite exciting so we, we carried on watching this TV program uh, and then we got kind of three or four episodes in which for, I know for a lot of people is then you're kind of sold on it that you've got to kind of watch it to the end. Um, there's a few episodes in and I'm starting to get a bit bored of this. It's seeming to get a bit repetitive. It seems to kind of go around in circles. The same people hunting the same people down, etc. Going around in circles and then there's this one moment that really grabs my attention. And it grabs my attention for two reasons. Firstly, it's a really exciting moment because it kind of changes the whole dynamic of the program. And secondly, I thought that will fit perfectly for my preach next week. So it, um, it got my attention in two ways. Um, but this guy, who is this agent working for the FBI, who's working as part of the White House, this bomb has gone off and he has been given the, the, the kind of role of him, from his boss who works in the White House to actually find out what has been going on here. Some other people have been killed and it's all a bit kind of mysterious and what's going on. And you discover that some people in the White House are actually working against the government, that they're kind of traitors to the country. They have been behind this bomb and they've been responsible for killing some other people. And so this guy is trying to find out who these people are in the White House. And he trusts his boss. He's saying, yes, she is trustworthy. And he finds this hard drive. There's always a hard drive, isn't there, with all the evidence on. And he finds this hard drive with all this evidence on. And he is making a decision to try or trying to get this hard drive to his boss in the White House. So she can, can then deal with it and, and get um, the, the people uh, working against these traitors. These people are kind of setting these bombs off and planning these attacks to be found out. Um, But this one moment um, in this story when his boss says one phrase, she just says one comment and all of a sudden it turns on his head and he realises that actually she is in on this plot. He has this incredibly precious thing, this evidence which holds, um, which will show some incredibly important people in the country actually guilty of some horrible things. He holds this incredible valuable thing, but he has got to decide whose hands he puts that in. 
He's got to decide, actually, which people can I put this in their hands that they will be trustworthy with this incredible, valuable thing. Now, for us in our lives, we might have different valuable possessions in our world. It might be items, it might be literal possessions, or it might be things like our children and things like that. Maybe some of you have got a, got a new car, and maybe you've got younger children that are actually learning to drive, and there's no way you would let those children drive your new car. If we have these kind of possessions in our world, we're very careful about who we entrust them with, aren't we? We're very careful about who we would leave them in your hands. Maybe if you've got children and they, they go off to their first day of school, you're entrusting something that's got incredible value that you love so much, your children, entrusting them with somebody else that maybe you've not really met that much before. And that's why it can be so hard, isn't it, when you send your children off for their first day of school. I know some of you are having parties and stuff when it's your kid's first day of school. But for some of us, it's, it can be hard, can't it, when, when you send in something that's got incredible value and that you love so much, you're handing it over to be entrusted by somebody else. But this can be with our our lives with God, can't it? That God actually asks us to give our whole lives to him. To give every part of who we are, every part of our lives, into his hands. As Jesus died on the cross, what he did on Easter Sunday actually caused that response from us, doesn't it? To give our lives over to him and say, actually, God, I want your best for my life. I want to entrust my life in your hands. Some of us might have been here this morning, we've never actually made that decision to actually give our lives to God. We're living in a way that say, no, I'll, I'll make all my decisions for myself. I'll live the way I want away. I know what's best. But God actually says, no, I want, I want your whole life. I want you to surrender that to me and give that over to me. This morning, I'm going to ask you the question, with whose hands is your life in the best place? In whose hands is your life in the best place? Obviously today is Easter Sunday. Um, John chapter 10 verses 10 and 11 say, the thief, com- the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Next verse here, Jesus talking about what he does on the cross, that he, as the good shepherd, laid down his life for us. He gave his own life so that we can have life to the full, life in the best way possible. It doesn't mean a happy life, that everything's always going to be smooth and plain sailing, but life to the full, that fulfillment of life, that it comes with a life lived for God. And what Jesus did on the cross, what he went through, that pain, that suffering, enabled us to have that. Now there's an incredible story in the Bible that, obviously the Easter Sunday story, but there's another story that that links in with that, which we're going to look at today as well, alongside the the Easter story. And this is the story of uh, Abraham and Isaac. So this is a a man, Abraham was the, the father of God's people, the father of the Israelites, um, and this incredible thing happens um, way back before Jesus is born on the earth. So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to read two passages that will help us with this story. This is Genesis 15 verses 1 to 6. So after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said... Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. 
This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. That passage there, um, this is God's promise to Abraham who has not been able to have children, his wife, uh, not been able to bear children. Um, they are they get to their old age, Sarah's in her 90s, uh, when she gets to the point where she finally has her first child. This is God promising to Abraham, saying no. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to give all my possessions, give all my inheritance to one of my servants, because I've not got my old children. But God promises him here, saying no, you will have your own child, and through all that, the blessing will be. And Genesis chapter 22, this is a few years later, after their, their child has been born. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 18. Some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the agent of the Lord called Sorry, next page. Out of him to heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord calls Abraham from a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now this is a pretty kind of intense story, isn't it? That God asks Abraham to take his son, his only son, that he has been given through this miraculous birth and say, will you go and give your son as an offering to me and sacrifice your son? Now this story seems completely kind of alien thinking what would, what is kind of going on that God would ask a person to do this, to kill their only child and it can feel a bit uncomfortable, can't it, in times. But the, the whole 
kind of imagery and point of sacrifice to us now feels very strange and alien, doesn't it? That we don't make sacrifices like that anymore. We don't kill animals in that way as, as a sacrifice. But in the Old Testament, that this was often done with, with animals. So people would sacrifice animals uh, as they would give them to God. And that would be a way of them paying for their sins. Obviously, the, the Easter story, what Jesus did on the cross, um, talks about that what Jesus did then means that no longer any sacrifice had to be made. When Jesus died on that cross and said, it is finished, that was Jesus paying for each and every one of our sins, that no more blood had to be shed in that way. And the, the purpose of this, I think it is, it's clearly a, a very important thing as a, as a one-off. I don't think God would lightly go and say to someone, go and sacrifice your only son in this way. And it's very clear that God has something really important and massive to kind of show us through this. And there's two things that I think are really clear in this, this story. First of all is the, the imagery of what is actually going on. That, that this prophetic image that happened um, so many years before Jesus came, but actually gives us that clear imagery of what happened on the cross, doesn't it? That this father is taking his only son to be sacrificed for, um, for God in that way. And the, the picture of that boy that's carrying that wood up the hill, as Jesus carried his cross up in that way, and then seeing that, that lamb, that substitute was brought in, that lamb was provided in that way, so that Abraham didn't have to give his son in that way. In exact same way, God gave his son, Jesus, as a substitute for us so that we didn't have to pay the price. We didn't have to face death for our sins, but Jesus has done that for us, enabling us to live in the way that we have. Secondly, the, the exact thing, that the miracle that God had provided Abraham, the, that he could not have children, but then God had provided this miracle. God had given him this son, but he then asks Abraham, are you actually willing to be willing to give up this son? Are you actually willing to give this son back over to me in this way for me to fulfill this blessing? Verse 16 there, that passage says, because he didn't withhold anything, even his only son, that God brought that blessing through his descendants. This morning, as we think about actually placing our life in God's hands, are we willing to say, actually, God, I surrender my life over to you. I want to give you my everything. I don't want to withhold any part of my life, but I actually want to give it all to God. I've got three things that I'm going to talk about this morning as we place our life in God's hands. Firstly, we need faith. Now, in this, the TV program that I watched with this agent, um, the the main thing he had to have was faith in someone else. Because with his job, with his role, he was an agent working for the FBI, but he had no real authority to actually bring anyone to justice, to actually hold anyone to accountable. If it was his word against someone else's, then he would lose because of his position. He had to put his faith into someone else that had the authority. For us in our world, that so often we have to put our faith in someone that's actually higher than us. We have to put our faith in God who sees all, who has that greater authority than us. If we were to, to live in the way that we live our lives, we're only limiting what God can do in our world. We've got to make that choice, haven't we? Are we going to follow our own plan or are we going to follow God's plan? John chapter 5 verses 24 Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from life to death. Whoever hears God's word and believes in him will have that eternal life. 
instead of death. What incredible faith Abraham showed in this story. Isn't it that um, not only in the first instance, God made him this promise, didn't he, in the first time. He says, you are going to have a child when it looked like it was impossible. Nobody else was having children at that age. It had never been done before. Um, he had to have trust in God. And he said, yeah, okay, God, I have faith in you. I trust in you. Which that seems like a fairly straightforward thing. If God says something, he's got, he had nothing to lose in that situation. He's like, yeah, okay, God, if you say it, I will believe it. But this second story, when actually his, his child had been born, it causes a new level of faith, doesn't it? Because now he's actually got to go and act on it. He's got to be willing to give up. He's got something to lose this second time round when God calls him into this action of faith. Now we're in a, in a privileged position, aren't we, where we, we read these stories and we, we see the beginning, the middle and the end. We see the, the Good Friday, we see Jesus die on the cross and we hear about the resurrection all at the same time in the same story. We see the journey of faith, we see the, the miracle that happens at the end of it. And we can say, yeah, that's great, I believe that, that's brilliant for me. But when it comes to your own life and it comes to kind of the second part, actually applying this to action in your own world, uh, do you still have that same faith in God? When it comes to you actually counting the cost of something, are you maybe having to, w- willing to lose something, willing to surrender something to God, which means this might actually hurt, this might actually be a bit painful, there's actually a chance of you losing something here or giving something away. Is our faith still the same? Can we still place our faith in God? The second thing, firstly it's faith, the second thing we need if we're to uh, give our lives in God's hands is surrender. To place our life in God's hands, we need to surrender. Faith always has an action, doesn't it? Now when we're talking about surrender, obviously the way that Abraham did this in this story was a clear one-off, I think. The way that God, what God did in that story was definitely trying to teach us something and show us through this whole story of the Bible. But for us, having that surrender, it can be hard, it can be painful. It might mean handing something over that we'd much rather cling on to. We'd much rather control ourselves and keep to ourselves. God had sent his sons to the cross. God went through this. When Jesus went on the cross, he had to see him beaten and bruised and tortured in that incredible way as he went to the cross and died in that way. And God surrendered his son for us. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his own son on that altar For us, that surrender can be so hard, but it is going to be worth it. The thing is that in our own lives, we don't see the ram that's caught in the bush, do we, as Abraham did. Abraham didn't see that at first, but we we read it in the end of the story. We don't see the the resurrection three days later, but we, in those moments, we only see the pain and the loss, don't we, often? When, When God calls us to do something or when God asks us to give us his life, we can often just look at the the loss and look at the pain in that moment but there's always God it says that place his name God will provide God wants to bless you God wants to use you in these times there's no better place than our life can be than in his hands the thing is whatever whatever we hold on to whatever we're unwilling to let go of for God we're only limiting what God can use and do through that thing if we hold it in our own strength if we hold it in our own decisions in our own hands it's very limited to what can happen with it but as soon as we give that over to God then God can do something incredible with it if God would have withheld his son Isaac from God maybe he wouldn't have blessed through his descendants in that way that as many as the stars in the sky and that that incredible promise that God gave to Abraham 
was only because Abraham was willing to say, no God, I'll put it in your hands. You do what only you can do with it. For us in our lives, God is calling us to put our whole life in his hands to see what God can do with it. It might be there's different areas in our worlds. You might be someone here that has, has maybe never given your life to God. You've never said, actually, God, I want to give my life to you. I want to live my life the way that you want me to do. There's been an opportunity for you this morning if you want to say, actually, God, I do want to put my life in your hands. It might be some of us in here that have been followers of Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years, but there's still areas of our life that we cling on to. And we say, no, actually, you can have the rest of my life. You can have my Sunday mornings. You can have my family. You can have this part of my life. But actually, I'll just keep on control of that. That's a bit too, too valuable for me to give away. I'll keep hold of that. A few things that might be, maybe it's your finances, that you kind of want to hold on to that and think, actually, I know how to spend my money in the best way that I do. Luke 11, verse 42, Jesus speaking, says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect the justice and love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Now, in the, New Test- in the Old Testament, it talks about giving a tenth of our income, a tenth of all we earn to God, and giving that to him, that is his as part of our offering, as part of our worship. And here Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the people um, there that were claimed to be followers of God and saying, yeah, you're giving a tenth, you're giving a tenth to God, but you're doing it without any love, without any justice. Your heart is completely in the wrong place. And he says, you should be doing both here. He says, yeah, give, give a tenth of what you've got. But actually, if you're not doing it without justice, if you're not doing it without love, if you're not doing it out of a heart of generosity, then it's, it's not right. And for us, I believe that so often the finances can be a way where we restrict what God can do in our life. We restrict what God can do in our church because we're unwilling to say, God, I surrender that to you. And I say, yeah, I'm going to give you what is yours. I want to give that over to you so you can do what you can through it, not simply what I can. Another way might be our career, our jobs. That we often we can have a, a career plan set out, can't we? We can think, yeah, I know, I know where this is going. I know what job I want to do. I know where I need to go to get there and have this plan set out in our, in our minds without actually consulting God and saying, God, I want to be open to where you want to lead me, where you want to take me in this place. I believe there's people in here that, not that God's going to tell you to quit jobs and, and kind of leave anything like that, but by simply saying, God, I surrender that to you. I want to be obedient to you in this area. If it means leaving somewhere, if it means going somewhere new, if it means starting a new business or whatever, but simply the action of saying, no, God, I want that actually to be in your hands. I'm willing, I'm open to hear your voice in that area, that God can do something incredible in different ways. I believe in here, in here there's people that are going to be leading churches, people that are going to be planting churches, people that are going to be going on mission. When they make that decision to say, actually, God, I'm going to surrender my career to you in that way. I want to give that to you and not control that myself. Another way might be time. We can plan out our time, can't we, in different ways. We can, we can have our schedules, we can have our weeks all kind of planned in the right way and it actually leaves very little room for what God wants to do with our time. It might be time for other people, it might be time for church, it might be just time to be, to be interrupted in different ways. Um, but we can control our time so tightly, can't we, and think actually I need to do this at certain times and, and have it all planned out with no room for God to lead us in that. No room for obedience to God in that place. 
Now think about those areas. Think about actually you controlling, you holding on to those things and not letting God have his way in your life. The band would like to come back up now. The third thing, when we give our life to God, what happens is a fulfilment. Going back to this TV program, the whole reason why this agent needed to get this hard drive and this evidence into the right person's hands was for that desired outcome. It was for the, the whole reason was to stop people, more people being killed, to stop more bombs going off, to stop um, this all happening in the, in the wrong way. And actually the, the people that had been planning these things, that they were actually brought to justice. That was the whole reason for what he was doing and was risking his life in this way. There was that incredible purpose for it. In Luke chapter 24, verses 45 and 47, this is after Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen again, and he appears to his disciples. He says, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. What Jesus did on that cross, as God has sacrificed his only son in that way, it was for the fulfilment of all of our lives and the fulfilment of this promise. The fulfilment of God's plan on earth. For Jesus to take the punishment, to take that on himself so that we could all live in that freedom, so that we could all be forgiven of our sins, so that death can be beaten. What Jesus did for us, we can... I don't feel we can ever fully comprehend, we can ever fully understand and imagine what he went through for each and every one of us to have and experience that forgiveness. But it means we can live in that fullness of life. We can live in that freedom without having to, to bear, bear the, the, the cost of what our lives uh, mean. And God provided that son to take that place for each and every one of us so we can live in that forgiveness. Church, if you'd like to, to stand... As we draw to a close now, I've got to ask you that question. Are you willing to place your life in God's hands? Do you have that faith in God? Do you believe who he is? Do you believe in the, the Easter story and what happened that actually, as Jesus conquered death, the Son of God went to the cross for you? For me, I want to be someone that wants the best for my life. I don't want to live a half-hearted life. I don't want to live a comfortable life I don't want to live a that'll do life I want the best for my life for my family for my relationships for my finances for my time for every area of my life I want to see the fullness of God working in each and every area of my life are you willing to surrender that whole life to God this morning are you willing to say God I want you in every part of my life I don't want to withhold anything I don't want to limit what you can do in me The most trustworthy place that you can place your life is in the hands of God. The most trustworthy place you can give your life is over to God. God is a God of unbroken promises that what he says he will do, what he promised he will do, where he says he will provide, he will. We serve an incredible, incredible God that is going to bring fulfillment to each and every one of us as we give our life over to him. 
I believe as a, as a church that we haven't even begun to see the tip of the iceberg of what God wants to do in and through in this place. That God has got so much more for us as, a, as a individuals, as a church family and a church congregation as well. But it takes us surrendering our lives to him and saying, God, we want to give it all to you. We want you to do what only you can do, God. We want to put our, our lives, we want to put this church in your hands for you to do, you to bless it, you to do the incredible with it. We serve a God of exponential growth, of not just the one-on-one, not just what we can see, not just what happens in the natural, but we serve a supernatural God, the God of miracles, the God that can do anything, the God of fruitfulness, the God of resurrection, that what seems dead, God can bring to life. If we're not willing to put our lives in his hands, then he can't do anything with it. If we're going to control it ourselves and keep hold of it, then God can't do anything with it. It's got to be surrendered to him. It's got to be us saying, God, we want to give our lives over to you. We want you to have your way in this place. We want you to have your way in our lives. I'm going to give you the opportunity now as the the band leaders in this song to come and be prayed for. It might be that you've never actually made that decision to say, God, I want to give you my life. I want to hand it over to you. That you recognize actually Jesus dying on the cross meant that you can have forgiveness. You can have freedom. You can have life to the full in that way. If that's you this morning, you come down to the front and be prayed for. You might be someone that's been a Christian for a few years, many years, however long. But you still got areas of your life that you're seeing you're holding on to yourself and say, I want actually control it. I think it's better if I control this and I make these decisions. But this morning, God's prompted to say, no, surrender everything to me. I want a whole, whole part of your life. I want everything. I want it surrendered to me. And as we give that to God, God can bless it. God can use it. And as Abraham was willing to sacrifice the very thing, that miracle that God had given him, it was through that son that his blessing was seen. It's through that son that God brought that blessing for him, that fulfillment of that promise. We're going to worship now, but if that's you, come down to the front now. We're going to pray for you um, in this moment. Thank you.